Father, yes, Lord, you are the one who can overcome nothing we can do, O oh Lord. Nothing in our hands we bring. Simply to the cross we cling. Naked come to thee for dress. Helpless look to thee for grace. Foul we to the fountain fly. Wash us, Savior, or we die. O Lord, this morning we come to you. We come to you. Pray, Father, that you would speak to our hearts. And Lord, let your word penetrate into the deepmost parts of our inner man. You said, Lord, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And I pray, Father, that let your word, let this word, Father, let it come from your throne. And whatever is not of you, let it fall to the ground. But whatever is of you, let it penetrate, O Lord. Divide the soul and the spirit, joints and the marrow. And take it to the deepmost parts of our inner man and let it become a toward a force in our lives, O Lord. That we will be able to overcome every attack of the evil one and even every temptation that is in the world and every sin that so easily besets us that we will be able to overcome. Grant us grace to that and we pray. Therefore anoint this word speaking and the hearing. In Jesus' name, Amen. Yeah, so, um, titled to this message as One with His Purpose. One with His Purpose. We've entered into our 10th year as a church and many of you uh, at least uh, 60 to 60 percent of you possibly were not there with us when we began as a body of believers a long time back in 2008 in Pastor James's home. And I wasn't there, of course, the first Sunday, but from the second Sunday onwards, I was there. So ten, nine years, God has been faithful. And if you weren't here for the last couple of weeks, Sundays especially, God has been speaking to us that he's going to do a new thing in each one of our lives. And if any man is in Christ Jesus, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away. All things have become new. And I believe that with all of my heart and I believe that each one of us will grasp that vision in our lives and believe that for our own lives individually, as families and as corporate uh, church that we will truly, truly um, tune ourselves with the vision that God has given us individually and also as a church that God will um, tune us together and we will and we will together build the body of Christ. One of the greatest tragedies in, in, in our lives, I would I would say, is that to have no vision. That is the greatest tragedy. To not know where you are going. As that's 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 but that's possibly the reason. That's one of the reasons why Jesus says, "If um, if it, who is this man? Who who is that man who when he wants to build a building, 
will he not count the cost? But if he begins and, and, and ultimately is not able to finish it, everybody will look at that building and start laugh, laughing. And, and the fact of the matter is, in many, many churches and many, many Christians, half-constructed homes, half-constructed lives, they have not finished what God has begun into their lives. They have not taken their lives to the logical conclusion. And, it, and we know from scripture, replete with examples of so many people who began well and who have not finished. And very few people who actually actually uh, accomplished the purpose for what God has created them. And one of the incredible examples in the old covenant, a man who has failed miserably, whom whom we never thought will recover from the incredible fall that he had in his life, but still be able to finish his purpose. That's what it says in the book of Acts, that David finished God's purpose in his generation and rested with his forefathers. That is incredible. A man in the old covenant, in spite of all his failures, is able to finish what the, what the purpose for uh, the purpose for which God had created him, and that is the biggest tragedy, is I believe, for us. If you if you do not know what the vision and the purpose what God has created each one of us individually, boy, we are just beating aimlessly in the air. And let that never be the case with us as a church and as individuals. Therefore, Proverbs chapter twenty nine verse eighteen will say, where there is no vision, the people perish. People perish is because they don't know where they are going. And other renderings, very interesting. Where there is no revelation, a prophetic vision, a prophetic revelation, the people cast off all restraint because they just, you know, let us, if the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink and tomorrow we die. Aimless, aimless. If the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink, and tomorrow we will die. This is the thing that uh, that that's challenge, that challenges me most of the time. And I, I keep on asking myself, Lord, do I know my purpose? Even in ministry, you can start off well, and then completely get distracted from the vision and from the purpose. Not united with Him in His purpose. Amazing that of all the characters in the Bible, one Bible, that one character which is picked in that book, Pilgrim's Progress is the character of uh, the character of Demas. Demas, having loved this present age, has forgotten me and has forsaken me. Amazing that he can work with the most anointed man after Jesus Christ, I believe, in the New Testament, and forget to be able to sit under anointed teaching and anointed living and still run away. You can see Elisha and Gehazi. Elijah had an Elisha, but Elisha did not have. Another one to mentor. You had Gehazi who completely got distracted. Distracted. One, he wanted to take, he was just, got attracted with, with money and wealth, got distracted and leprosy came and finished. His purpose was over. He couldn't finish. And therefore one of the questions that we need to constantly keep asking ourselves even as we progress in our walk with the Lord and especially this year is the question that God asks Hagar where am I coming from and where am I going that's the question that we need to ask ourselves and if you look at that book Pilgrim's Progress and I love that book it's it's so beautifully written it's every time Pilgrim knocks at a door the question that the person on the other side asks who is there it is pilgrim. Where are you coming from and where are you going? 
It's always a question. And he tells, I am coming from the city of destruction and I'm going towards the celestial city. Come in, please. Always, always. His focus, and you can see that the end of his focus was absolutely there. And that is where I believe we need to ask ourselves, if God were to ask you this question, Vijay, or anybody over here, where are you coming from? Where are you going? Where are you coming from and where are you going? Will we be able to answer that question? Or, they are not raised, let us eat and drink, tomorrow we die. Is that the philosophy? That is what pastor was talking about, horizontal. Our focus is completely horizontal, there is absolutely no vertical goals. Hebrews chapter 9 verse 27 it says, And it is as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. Once, no reincarnation. Dead once, before, after that, judgment. Another place, Second Corinthians chapter 5 verse 9. Therefore, we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. You see that? That each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. Imagine in your mind's eye, all the time. One, I mean, it will scare you. Should Better to be scared. Standing before Jesus, the judge. That's exactly what happened to John in the island of Patmos. Fire, eyes of fire, feet of bronze, hair completely whitened. With, I mean, it's so radiant and he looked at him and he fell flat on his face like a dead man. Because he met Jesus as the judge and it is going to be, and he says, I am the same, I am the first and the last, I have not changed. I am coming to judge the quick and the dead, to render to every man according to his deeds. That is what Romans chapter 2 verse 6 says. He will render to each one according to his deeds or according to his works, to those who by patience in well-doing seek for glory and for honor and immortality, he will give eternal life. It's a tragedy in Christendom that so many people are seeking nothing actually. They're seeking nothing. They're not seeking glory. And here he's not talking about God's glory, he's talking about your glory. He's not talking about God's honor, he's talking about your honor. In, like pastor was praying, he says, in a large house, there are so many vessels, some for honor and some for dishonor. And if any man cleanses himself, he will be made as a vessel of honor, ready for the master's youth. So many people have not seeking anything. That's a tragedy. Seeking, not no glory. What they're seeking for is success and not glory. There's a total difference between success and glory. Aimlessly. Think about it. Think about it. Look at what it says in First First Peter chapter one verse seventeen. And if you call on Him as Father, who judges impartially to each one's deeds according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile or pilgrimage. It's amazing. He says, "You call Him Father, yes, but also remember there is a judge." And he will judge everyone according to his deeds impartially. Impartially. And therefore conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile. And there's something which I constantly keep reminding myself. The day of judgment is good if you are prepared. Delays, 
if delays that's what it happens to that to that servant, that wicked servant, he sees that the master is delaying, is coming, and what does he do? He beats his fellow servants and eats and drinks, and at a sudden time, at a time when he's not expecting, the master has come. That's it. If you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear. Think about those things, even as we meditate upon today's word. Acts chapter 17, verse 30 onwards. Truly these times of ignorance God has overlooked. But now commands all men everywhere to repent. Why? Because he has appointed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by the man whom he has ordained. This is God who will judge by Jesus Christ whom God has ordained. He has, God has given, God the Father has given assurance of this to all by raising him from the dead. He has given this, it's a fact, a fact of history, that Christ died and Christ was risen from the dead. The irrefutable fact of history is Christ died and Christ rose from the dead. Amazing! You can check this out. You can do a historical analysis and study in the one of the most incredible historical facts that has been so intensively recorded is the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And God, Paul is telling, you know what? He has given assurance. If you, if you think about it, no, the earliest manuscripts, the the New Testament manuscripts, there are fifty-eight thousand manuscripts of the New Testament. Fifty-eight thousand manuscripts which you can use and construct the entire story of the New Testament. And even if you burn the entire Bible, the entire Bible has been recorded in so many other uh, uh, literature, literature, literature works. You can actually study the Bible and one of the irrefutable facts of history is that Christ died and Christ has risen from the dead. And you know what? They were so sure about it. All the disciples were so sure about it. They lost the fear of death and they were all going and dying. As one man of God said, how do I know that Christ died and Christ has risen from the dead? Look at the, look at the disciples. They were so sure about the risen Christ that they have been, that they are the witnesses of the risen Christ. They were willing to die for that. And he says, liars make poor martyrs. <laughs> liars make poor martyrs. It's an irrefutable fact of history. Christ died, Christ rose from the dead. And so what is the implication for us? When people heard this, and when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked, that always happens. Well, others said, we will hear you again in this matter. Boy, procrastination. Some people mock, some people ridicule. Okay, so Paul departed. He will not even waste even a single minute. You stop listening, he'll go from there. Okay, 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 fine, 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 fine. Resurrection from the dead, some people mocked. Some people said, resurrection from the dead? And I have to give an account? Oh, no, 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 no. We will hear of this and that's exactly what happened to Agrippa and Felix. And Agrippa, Agrippa at at one point of time, he just stood up and he said, Paul, please shut up. Much learning has made you mad. You become crazy. You're studying so much. So Paul departed from among them. However, some men joined him and believed. Some men joined him and believed. There are three categories of people. 
those people who will mock and today even here also there could be so many of us who might be ostensibly agreeing to the fact of resurrection but deep down inside there is no conviction of resurrection there's a difference See, that is the reason why Peter says, in the last days, coffers will come asking us, where is the promise of coming right from the days our fathers have fallen asleep, things are going just as it is. They do not understand that the patience of the Lord equals salvation. They don't understand that. He does not want anybody to perish. He wants everybody everywhere, at every place to repent and therefore he's giving time and space for people to repent. They don't understand that. So, understand the saints. Especially in this church, to whom much is given, much will be required. What is given to us? The standards with which we will be judged. That's what it says in Second Corinthians chapter 8. It says, if there be a willing mind first, not according to what you do not have, but what according to that you, you have, you'll be judged. He will judge everyone impartially according to his deeds. Impartially. For all those who have sinned without the law will perish without the law. But all those who have sinned under the law will be judged by the law. For not the hearers of the law are counted righteous before God. But the doers of the law are counted righteous before God. For the Gentiles who do not have the law do by nature things in the law. They not having the law are a law unto themselves. Oh, you will be judged. You will be judged according to the standard that God has given you. And if you do not repent, you, the very standard that you have in your heart will condemn you to death on that day. You know that? You know that? Even mafias have standards. And many mafia bosses wouldn't have actually lived up to their own standards on the day of judgment. It's a fact. So, focus. That, where am I coming from? Where am I going? What is my purpose in this life? Am I united with my God? Am I united with Him in His purpose? Or am I just running my own race? All the time. All the time. All the time. Keep asking this question to yourself. So how do I? Question. How do I get a prophetic revelation for my life? This kind of a revelation, how do I get it? According to Proverbs chapter 29 verse 18, how do I get it? How do I? How do I? How do I know what is the purpose for me in my life? How do I know it? Let me tell you something. There are no easy ways of learning God's purpose for your life. Okay. 29.13. He gives you the principle. 29.13 of Jeremiah. You will seek me and you will find me when you search me with all your heart. Notice that. All your heart. I don't want any divisions. I, you, I want you to seek me with all your heart. Constantly. And there's one thing about God. That when you seek him more and more, you'll enjoy him more and more. Enjoy him. He's not boring God. He's not the same old, same old. No. Psalm 86 verse 11. We know this very well. Teach me your way. Somebody was praying. I think somebody's prayer request today. I will walk in your truth. Give me an undivided heart, remember? Unite my heart, it says in some translations. Unite my heart, O Lord. To fear your name. 
And that translations as you prayed, and you, that's what your prayer request was. Give me an undivided heart, O Lord. Unite my heart. Give me an undivided heart so that I will fear your name. So that I know. When, when do we fear his name? When we know his righteous judgments. That is when we fear his name. Look at another place. You want to seek, you want to know what is your purpose for your life? It is not, God is not going to throw pearls before swine. No, 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 please. You scrape the surface, you will get leaves. And leaves will get burnt up. Okay. God is not going to throw any of what is purpose? You have to seek him. That's the reason why he says, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable, which is your reasonable act of service. And then be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove that which is good, acceptable and perfect. Even in that, there are three levels. A lot of people are stuck at the good. A lot of people are stuck at the acceptable. There is a perfect will of God for your life. And you have to find that out. And it's a constant process. It's not just one day. That is the reason why Proverbs chapter 2 verses 1 to 6. I love this. My son, if you receive my words, receive, treasure my commands within you, incline your ear to wisdom, apply your heart to understanding, cry out for discernment, lift up your voice for understanding, seek her as silver, search for her as hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord. And you will find the knowledge of God for the Lord gives wisdom. And you say, Vijay, all these verses are in the New Test- Old Testament. In the New Testament, grace is given. No, it's so easy. God just gives us everything like that. No, 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 no. In fact, it is more difficult in the New Testament than in the Old Testament. Our standards are even more higher. Look at what it says in James chapter 1, verses 5 to 8. If anyone of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach. And it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. Okay. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive any anything from the Lord. He is double-minded, unstable in all his ways. Dipsychos. No. Matthew chapter 6 verse 24. No one can serve. What does it mean? No one can serve. Two masters. For either he will hate. You see that? Amazing. The It is not like he will get along. No. He will hate the one and love the other. Or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot. You are absolutely powerless. In other words. To serve two masters. Impossible. So. So. So this, this is something which we need to understand. So how do we, how do we ensure that we get this vision straightened up in our lives? There's a very interesting passage in Luke's Gospel chapter 10. And a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. You all know this very well. And she had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. Martha was distracted. With much serving. Do you know that? You can be distracted and be serving. Much serving. This is, I heard a man of God once, he said, lot of pastors, they run churches. What are they doing? They run churches. They don't feed the flock. They run churches. They are coming, they are going here, they are managing this show, they are managing that show, they are managing. Like pastor says, program, kar hai, 
कार्यक्रम कार्यक्रम नहीं कार्य एंड क्रम सी दैट सो मेनी दे डिस्ट्रैक्टेड विथ मच सर्विंग एंड यू नो दैट वी कैन ऑन बी डिस्ट्रैक्टेड विथ मच सर्विंग एंड इट कुड बी सर्विंग गॉड and she approached him and said lord do you not care that my sister has left me alone to serve therefore tell her to help me and jesus answered and said to her i think the very first time he calls a woman twice by her name every time it's adam adam this is the first time in scripture if i'm right martha martha you are worried and troubled by how many things many things oh you know something so interesting that people jesus says seek ye first the kingdom of the lord and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you and everybody is running after all the things concerned and worried about this, all the things but never concerned about the kingdom of god and his righteousness ask yourself this question even this during this week we would have heard, we would have heard that word several times how many of us were really 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 seeking the kingdom of god it was top priority for me or we did have many things concerned with many things troubled about with many things you see that but how many things are needful one thing is needful It this occurs only three times in the entire New Testament, by the way. One thing is needful. Mary has chosen the good part. You have to choose it. That is the reason why it says, it, 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 uh, uh, Joshua tells the people of Israel, he says, "You know your forefathers what they worshipped. Today you choose whom do you will, whom you will worship. As for me, as for me and my house, we have chosen. We have cho- decided. We have chosen to worship the Lord. Even Elijah will tell on Mount Carmel to to people." How long will you vacillate between two opinions? If Yahweh is God, worship Him. If money is God, worship Him. And they did, and they said nothing. Undecided, and even today, even today, it, it's quite possible. Even in this, in this church, so many of us in the valley of indecision. So many of us. one thing is needed and mary has chosen that good part and which will not be taken away from her and i think i believe this is such a fundamental thing for every believer every believer it will be called to do one thing not more than that not more than that not more than that and you will be asked as stewardship for that one thing think about it one gift he will give you and he will say one thing you do i have seen that you see the most top players in the world every tennis player who's a top in the top there's only one thing they do eat practice sleep they will not go and get the sponsors their managers and no 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 they have a team who's taking care of every other thing they say baba we'll do everything to make it possible that you concentrate on one thing that's exactly what even parents do when i was growing up my mother used to never even touch me allow me to touch certain things at home and there is exam i will do it i will do everything but you do only one thing study i will do everything but if she then when she was upset she would make, she would make me do everything except study and also study that is a different okay what <laughs> everything i'm going to take care of everything but you do just one thing and i believe that even in the church everybody if they know the one thing that god has called them to do 
Amazing. Can you imagine how efficiently the church will be moving on? Righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Peace meaning shalom. Every part is functioning exactly the same at the way that it has to, it has to function. Being perfectly oiled, getting this absolute amount of the optimum amount of energy and the food and supplying the energy to the body and the whole body is moving in unison as one man. Because everybody is doing one thing. But what happens in the church? One, one person is doing everything. Getting overworked. And you'll see the church slowly dragging along on the shoulders of a few Brothers and sisters, coming to him as living stones, rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. You also as living stones are being built up into a spiritual house. To become a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices, holy and acceptable through Jesus Christ. Every one of you has a specific part in the body of Christ and you have to find that out for yourself. And say, Lord, what is my... And it becomes very obvious even as you do consistently do the things God asks you to do. Over a period of time, you will see that in one particular area, you're functioning so efficiently. And that God will say, that's the area that I, that I called you to work. And that will be the blessing for a body of Christ. But for the fact of the matter is, so many people are doing... They're all over the place. But they have not found out that one thing. You know why? They haven't sat at Jesus' feet. Jesus was the first thing that he always did. It doesn't matter how many pressures. Nobody could push Jesus. Not even his own mother. They have run out of wine. Please don't tell me. My my time has not yet come. Why are you not going to Jerusalem? Whoever wants to show himself will go to Jerusalem. We also go to Jerusalem and show yourself. My time has not yet come. Your time is always here. I am not going to be pushed by need. I am going to be pushed by what my father wants to do. Absolutely united with God's purpose. You don't understand that. Okay, one thing. He did one thing. So many requirements in the ministry, but he says, no, no, I will own, I will never compromise that time that I want to spend with my Lord. One thing is needful. Look at what it says in Psalm 27 verse 4. One thing. Remember? How, how is thing? T-H-I-N-G, right? How is it? In? If, if you know the font, it is in what? Italics. You know what it means? It means that it's not there in the original. It's added to give it a meaning. One have I desired. That's it. We read it like that. One have I desired of the Lord that I will seek after that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his holy temple. There's so one thing. So when you come to church, there is one thing that is required from you concentrate on what God has to speak to us through the, through the messenger. One thing. The whole purpose, I mean, think about it. No, then you, when you gear yourself up for, to, for the next day on Saturday, what is your purpose? What is it? Lord, I want to hear from you. I want to prepare my heart. One thing I have desired, I want to sit at your feet. I want to know what you have to speak to me. I'll tell you why this is important. That's what Mary chose. I'll tell you why. There was this man of God who had a bunch of young people in his team. Fired up young people. Okay, Initially, they were absolutely on fire for God. They were there at church every Sunday, every every Bible study. They were there after a period of time. Few of them were missing and the pastor was a little concerned. So he went and asked the guys, he says, why are you guys not coming to church? Then those people said, you know what? 
we've been coming to church, but I just wanted to know what my will is in God's kingdom. And until I know what God's will is, I don't want to come to church. You know what the guy, what the man of God said? Do the things that you're supposed to do. Do the things that you're supposed to do. Don't just neglect fellowship, thinking that when you sit alone, God will speak to you. No, he will not. See that? One thing have I desired. And one of the things that most parents want to keep people away, children away, is that one thing on Sunday morning. Rape exam to inquire in his temple. Think about it. Think, 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 think on these things. Okay. Second Timothy chapter 4 verse 1. I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. Why? For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. So quickly, so one of the most distracted generations that we are living in, we get so easily distracted, we never focus on one thing. Do you have only one tab on your browser? Several tabs. At, some, at the same time, you're watching, you're listening to a song, you're watching news, you're listening to a message, reading a book. I mean, never happened. Those days, they were either listening to a song once because they used to have a Walkman. That's all. They were either watching once. They were not doing multitasking. This is a multitasking generation and the most distracted. So easy to get distracted, this generation. It is, this is such the most difficult generation to even pastor so easily, easily get distracted. Easily. You cannot let them make them sit for an hour and listen to the word. No. It's a huge exercise. Even here. One of the things that you have to do constantly, Lord, help me, Lord, help me. Look at what it says. This is a problem right from the beginning. Exodus chapter 32. Now when the people saw that Moses delayed coming down from the mountain, the people gathered together to Aaron and said, Come, make us gods that shall go before us. As for this Moses, the man that has brought us up out of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. And Aaron said, Break off the golden earrings which are in the ears of your wives, your sons and your daughters. Bring them to me. And then what happens? When they receive the gold from their hand, he fashioned it with an engraving tool. And made a calf and they said, this is your God, O Israel, that brought you out of the land of Egypt. So when Aaron saw it, he built an altar before it. And Aaron made the proclamation and said, tomorrow is a feast of the Lord. Then they rose early the next day, burnt, offered burnt offerings, offered peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat, to drink and to play. See that? Exodus chapter 32 and verse 7. And the Lord said to Moses, go get down for your people whom you have brought from the land of Egypt, have corrupted themselves. They have turned aside quickly. You went there, they quickly turned away. Quickly. It's amazing. This day and age to be absolutely focused in one thing that God wants you to do is very crucial for us to succeed as Christians. One thing. When I was growing up, there was one mathematician, I don't know, uh, this is only for people who love math. Uh, a very intelligent mathematician as a godly mathematician, a product of the Luther era. He was a believer. His name is Leopold Kronecker. 
is a very interesting statement he made. Lepol Chronicle. This is a statement. God made integers. All else is the work of man. God made integers. Everything else is work of man. <laughs> I mean, I, I, when I was, when I started, used to start my university and first, first thing I used to ask this question to the students. You know, we used to have number theory before. The first introduction quote, uh, Lectures were number theory. I asked him, what does it, what did it mean when, God, when Kronecker said, God made integers and all else was a work of man? No, you're all scientists, right? Engineers. He gave us simple things. We have to make complicated things. And you don't understand what God has actually, is, God is actually after. We are all people fragmented into a million parts. Distracted in Million directions. And the entire purpose of God was to make all of us into one. That is the purpose. My goodness, how many. That's the reason why there was one lady who was there at the well, John's Gospel chapter 4. Five relationships. Fragmented. Soul has been broken. Heart has been broken. She is the one lady who can sing that old Hindi song, Shisha ho ya dil ho, aakhir toot jata hai. Or toot gya dil. It's fragmented into a, I don't know how many pieces, five at least, minimally. And then six one staying with the sixth guy, and then the one guy who can make her whole has come. Yasin, can you just give me this water to drink? Ah, you being a Jew, etc, etc, etc. Go bring your husband. One word from the Messiah can make her whole. See, that is a purpose of God. I believe that. So I always say this, no? God, this, these guys are people of the, are the products of the Luther era, okay? I mean, they had these Christian principles in, when they got into mathematics. They didn't, they didn't, they didn't play dice with God. Like Albert Einstein said, God does not play dice. There's no uncertainty with God. Fragmented. We are all fragmented. That's exactly the reason why he says in Isaiah chapter 61. The spirit of the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. To bind up the broken hearted. Bind up everybody, every believer when he comes to the Lord. Or every person who comes to the Lord. Broken into several directions. If not broken with relationships, broken with several other things. Primarily relationships of course. So what is God's purpose? God's purpose is to make us one. It is make us one. One with Him. You see that? With His purpose. Otherwise you will just keep on running from one relationship to another relationship and you will never find satisfaction in any relationship. Let me tell you something. Honestly, if you cannot find satisfaction in God, your marriage will fail you. You will, it will fail you. If you cannot find satisfaction in Jesus Christ as your spouse, your spouse will fail you. If you cannot find satisfaction in Jesus Christ as a friend, your friend will fail you. If you cannot find satisfaction in Jesus Christ as a brother, your brother will fail you. Every relationship is bound toward failure apart from Christ. Your career will fail you. Your career will fail you. And you will come to a point in your life and you will be in world number one like Djokovic and he, had, he has no clue what to do now. 
Lost all motivation. So they ask him, what do you want? It? What has happened to you? I want to rediscover myself. Twelve grand slams. Twelve grand slams. Second in the open era to hold all four grand slams in one, in one calendar year. In three, in three years, six grand slams. Think about it. Think about it. He still has to discover himself. No purpose. Your career will fail you. Because once you go to the top, you'll find that at the top, everything, every, everything is lonely. There's only one way down now. To the bottom. To the bottom. If you do not find satisfaction in God, anything else you try to find satisfaction in will fail you. Every relationship, every career, every goal that you set, your, set for yourself. Think about it, no? I mean, I don't know why Federer has to still play. 35 years old, those, those, those days, people retired when they were 30. <laughs> this guy is keep on, he's, keep, he's still winning tournaments and he's still hungry and I don't know when, he's, when he stops, I think he'll get mad. I'm sure, because he would have lost all purpose. That's the only thing that gives him purpose. That only gives him meaning. That's the only thing which gives him meaning in life. Purpose of God is to make us one. Make us one. Look at what it says in 1 John chapter 5, verses 7 to 8. God is one, right? That's a famous, God is one. That's all the Muslims say. Shema wa Israel Adonai Alehu Adonai Echad. For there are three that bear witness in heaven. The Father, the Word, and the Spirit, and these three are one. And there are three that bear witness on the earth, the Spirit, the water, and the blood. They agree in one. And that's exactly what Jesus demonstrated when he came to earth. He was one with God's purpose. Except at one point in his life wherein he was struggling to agree with the purpose of God. And he started sweating. Look at what it says in John 17 verse 11. Now I am no longer in the world, but these are in the world. And I come to you, Holy Father, keep them through your name, those whom you have given me, that they may be one as we are. You see that? John's Gospel chapter 17 verses 20 to 23. I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one as you, Father, are me, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me, and the glory which you gave me, I have given them, that they may be one, just as we are one, I in them, you in me, that they may be made perfect in one. One, 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 one. One, one, one. He is the one. Not new. So, three aspects of unity, of oneness. In every believer's life, every individual's life, not all three might, may be applicable to you at this time, but they will be in the future. Three. Three. First, individual. The first thing God wants to do, He wants to make the individual one. I call Him the united believer. <laughs> the united believer, united in the purposes of God, with the purposes of God. Whole, complete. First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 10. I'm going to talk about this. Now, this is, this is amazing. This is possible in the New Testament. Verse 15, verse 10. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. Look at this. 
and his great toward me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God which is in me. So I ask, so if you ask Paul, who's doing it, Paul? I'm doing it. Who's doing it, Paul? Jesus is doing it. Who's doing it, Paul? I and Jesus are doing it. Who's doing it? We are doing it. Together. Amazing. Think of that? Absolutely. One. Look at what he says in one. First Colossians chapter 1 verse 28 onwards. Him we proclaim warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ for this I toil. Struggling with all his energy. I toil with his energy. That he may, that he powerfully works within me. I am absolutely one with him in his purpose by the grace of God. That's exactly what God wants us to do. He wants us to become one with him. He wants us to make us complete as individual believers. So that we, by the grace of God, might fulfill his purpose. That is the reason why we need grace. Grace of God is just not to forgive our sin. Grace of God just not to overcome our sin. Grace of God just not to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions. But grace of God to become one with his purpose. Think about it. Did Jesus ever sin? No. Yes, he overcame sin by the grace of God. Did Jesus ever do anything? I mean, he was tempted in every area, but he did not sin. But how? At one point he said, Lord, if it is your will, let this cup pass from me, but let not my will, but yours be done. And when he started to pray, who came and ministered to him? Angels. Look at what it says in Hebrews chapter 2 verse 9. Powerful. Powerful. This is the humility of God. But we see him who for a little time was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus, crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death. So that, look at this, by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. See that even Jesus needed the grace of God to be one with God's purpose. To be one. To be united. To fear his name. Every day is to pray, Lord, keep me from sinning. Keep me from death. Keep me from spiritual death. Every day. Every day. Because he never wanted to lose focus in his life. And he, by the grace of God, he tasted death for everyone. That death. So, God wants us to become united believers. The first, first stage, John's Gospel chapter 5. This is very famous. Everybody knows this. Now there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market, a pool which is called in the Hebrew tongue, Bethesda. Having how many porches? Five porches. Alright. Now there is at Jerusalem by the sheep gate, sheep, sheep market, a pool which is called in the Hebrew tongue, Bethesda, having five porches. And a certain man was there who had an infirmity thirty and eight years. When Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been there for a long time in that case, he says unto him, Will you be made whole? Do you want to become an integer? One. Would you be made whole? Where was he? At Jerusalem. At which place? At the sheep market. I mean, by the sheep market, which is called in the Hebrew tongue, Bethesda. How many porches does it have? Five porches. What is five? John's Gospel chapter five has five porches. Five, the number of grace. Number of grace. Law came through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. How many years was he there at the porch? 38 years. What can the law do? Only condemn you 
and say, Baba, you are broken. Jesus has come. He wants to make him whole. So he asked him this question. Do you want to get, do you want to be made whole? And the important man answered, Sir, I have no man. When the pool is troubled to put me in the pool, but while I am coming, another steps down before me. See that? God, look at me. I can't do it. Look at me. What have you made? What have you done? What have you made? I'll tell you why he was in that position there later on. We'll talk about that. What have you made, Lord? Look at me. Why? Why have you made me like this? Why did you make all these situations in my life like this? Look at this in Isaiah chapter 45. Very, very funny. Very sarcastic. Isaiah 45 verses 9 to 9. Or 9 to 10. Woe to him who strives with him who has formed him. A pot among the earthen pots. Does the clay say to him who forms it? What are you making? What are you making? Your work has no handles. <laughs> Think about it. No? A potter pot has been, has been made. So now he, he wants that pot to be a vase. He doesn't want it to be a pot. So the potter makes a nice vase and the vase, he puts the vase there and the vase talks back to the potter. No handles. What have you made? See that? No handles. What have you made? Another place. Another thing. Woe to him who says to his father, what are you begetting? To a woman, to, to a, or to a woman, with what are you in labor? Look at this. With what? 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 Are you a thing? Amazing. What are you begetting? I, I, you, you, you'll see that when people are going through real, real tough times, I don't know, pastor, why God has allowed me this? You should have done this and done that and done this. Why? 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 God, you are the problem, you are the problem, you are the problem. Why have you made me like this? That's what Paul, when uh, in Romans chapter 9, he says, can the, what is, you will, you will ask me then, why does he still find fault? Who can resist his will? How can you speak like that, O man, back to God? Who are you? Who are you? Who are you? Can not the potter out of the same clay make one for, one vessel for honor and one vessel for dishonor? And he says, if you want to be an honor, vessel of honor in the master's use, purge yourself from every uncleanness so that you can be made a vessel of honor. You can, you can. And the more hopeless your situation seems, the greater the glory of God. That is exactly what happened to Moses. Sorry, Abraham. Abraham was Abraham before he became Abraham. Remember? Sarah was Sarai. You know what? God came and said, you know what? You need a, a fifth letter. Aleph, Beth, Gimel, Dalit, He. He is the fifth letter in the Hebrew alphabet. So you need grace. So what I'm going to do, Abraham, you are the father of, you are the exalted father, but I want to make you the father of nations. I'm going to breathe my grace into you. I'm going to put a hey, and you become Abraham. Sarai, you are Sarai, absolutely barren, about 90 years old. You will no longer be called Sarai. I'll breathe a hey into you. I will make you Sarah. 
Abraham was about 100 years old. Sarah was about 90 years old. Absolutely hopeless. But God gives them power. And he says, you know what? He did not weaken in faith, but gave glory to God. Why? And Sarah conceived. And it was credited to him as righteousness. Amazing. God can do that. He has to breathe into us. Law came through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. And the grace that he absolutely hopeless situation. Even now he can speak life into that. And he says, that's exactly what happened to Ezekiel. Lord, can these dry bones live? Lord, you know. Breathe. Breathe. Hey, hey, the wind. The wind of the spirit. And what happens? Life comes. Life into dead bone comes. And exactly what happens to this man at the well. Jesus says unto him, rise up. Take up your bed and walk. And immediately the man was made what? Whole. One, one, one word is enough today. Even to, to, to some of you over here who are going through the most difficult, one word from Jesus is enough. Rise up, take up, take up your mat and forget your past and keep moving. Keep moving. You will be made whole. Will you believe it? And you will say, Lord, how many years I've messed up my life? How many, how many years, Lord? How many years? So many. You do not know, Lord. You do not know, Lord, what my father, my mother, you do not know what they begat. You can be made whole today. And then what happens? Jesus tells him the reason. What happened? Why, why were you like that? John's Gospel chapter 5 verse, uh, John's Gospel chapter 5 verse 14. Afterward, Jesus finds him in the temple and said unto him, Behold, you are made whole. Sin no more. Something worse will happen to you. Stay on this path. Don't, don't, don't become like that man from where one evil spirit has been driven. Nicely swept and clean. And afterward, seven more demons has come and the worst situation has become much worse than the, than before. Don't. Grace has been given. Has been given to ensure that you remain whole in James Gospel, James chapter 4 verses 1 to 4. For whence comes wars and fightings among you? Do not come hence even of your lust that war in your members. You adulterers and adulterers, don't you know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whosoever then makes a friend with the world is enemy is an enemy of God. Look at what it says. He gives what? Grace to the humble. He resists the proud to make you from a double-minded person to single-minded. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your heart. Hearts, you double-minded. A united individual. God is... He has to make. Because unless you are made whole, you will never be able to be used in God's kingdom. Only those people who are healed can bring healing to others. First, first instrument. A united individual. Second, a united marriage. A lot of us Especially in our church, all around the world. Look at what it says in Malachi chapter 2. And this second thing you do, you cover the Lord's altars with tears, weeping and groaning because he no longer regards the offering or accepts with favor from your hand. But you say, what does he not? Because the Lord was between a witness between you and the wife of your youths to whom you have been faithless, though she is your companion and your faith and your wife by covenant and then did he not make them what? How many? One. 
I love this. This is the ESV translation. Did he not make them one with a portion of the spirit into their union? Amazing. And what was the one God seeking? What was the one God seeking? Sorry. Look at this. Godly offspring. So guard yourselves in your spirit and let none of you be faithless to the wife of your youth. One principle in marriage. Matthew chapter 19 verses 4 to 6. Have you not read? He made them at the beginning both male and female. And he said for this cause a man shall leave his father and mother. And he shall cleave to his wife. And they shall become one. But they are no longer two but one. Therefore whatever God has joined together let no man put asunder. Why? Why did he make them one? So that he can make godly offspring. I know this is possibly one of the most difficult Things in a marriage is for husband and wife to become one. To agree. Primarily because after a period of time, the wife has to disappear and the husband should be appearing. Who has to disappear? Wife. Has to completely disappear. Husband has to remain. Show you this verse. Isaiah chapter 8, verse 18. Behold, I, who's saying this? Isaiah, not my wife. I and the children whom the Lord has given me are for signs and wonders in Israel, from the Lord of hosts, which you are in Mount Zion. I am one with my wife. This is, this is exactly what grace, grace does in a marriage. I'll show you. Let me, let me prove that to you from scripture. This is 1st Peter chapter 5 verse 12. I have written to you briefly exhorting and testifying that this is the true grace of God in which you stand. True grace of God in which you stand. And what is the true grace of God? 1st Peter chapter 2 verse, 3 verse 7. This is not 1 verse, verse 7. It is 3 verse 7. Husbands likewise dwell with them with an understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel, as being heirs together of the Grace of life. Both of you. And what happens most of the time? You have Lot and Lot's wife. Divided homes. People have been complete. Children are gone. Children are gone. And they vacillate. And even the parents linger when the decision has to come. One. Husbands. Disappear. This is so important. I have, this, this was, verse 18. Please let me go back to that verse. Very powerful. Behold, I and the children whom God has given me are for science and for wonders. Jesus quotes this in Hebrews chapter 2. I and the children whom the Lord has given us are for science and for wonders in Israel from the Lord of hosts who dwells in Mount Zion. He says, you know what? Me and my wife have one purpose. To bring up godly children. And she is absolutely one with me. So many of us in our church, people in the world who are listening to this all around the world, understand the purpose of marriage. The purpose of marriage is that you bring up godly offspring and God will hold you accountable. Children are a heritage from the Lord and the fruit of the womb is His reward. And when we stumble, we make our children stumble time. You will be held responsible for that. That's the second one which I wanted to talk about. Third one. 
United individual, united marriage, and united church. Strong individuals make strong marriages. Strong marriages make strong churches. They all are together, working in unison. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 14 and 18. 14 to 18. For he is our peace who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of partition between us. Who is that between us? Between two Telugu speaking people. One from Telangana and one from Andhra. It's fact. It's a fact. You're from Andhra. I know Andhra people. The Telangana people will say, I know Andhra people. Very chalu. And what will I ask the Andhra people? I know Telangana people. Very rough. We can't get along well. And both speak the same language. We were all one state before. Now we have two states. Almost a movie happening in our church. Every time. People from different backgrounds. Think about it. He has broken the middle wall of partition between us. So many of us still have prejudices in our heart. Having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of the commandments contained in ordinance, for to make in himself of twain one new man so making peace. Absolutely impossible ever in the history of mankind for Jews to even think the Gentiles can become a part of the church. That's exactly what happened when Peter went to Cornelius' place. He was shocked. Lord, I've never touched anything unclean. Kosher eating rabbi was asked to go to a Gentile's home. And the first thing what happened, even as he was preaching, God baptized them with the Holy Spirit. And when they saw that even the Gentiles were given the Holy Spirit, they said, what is forbidding them from being baptized? Middle wall of separation is broken. And even till date, even till date, there's so many messianic rabbi congregations who will never Fellowship with Gentile congregations. Very, very rare. You'll see that even in, especially in the US I've seen. Messianic rabbi congregations. You have to come here. You have to keep the Sabbath. Saturday only we will worship. No Sunday worship. What he says in Ephesians chapter 2. That he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross. Having slain the enmity thereby. And came and preached peace to you. Which were far off. And to also who were near. One of the things I believe the hallmarks of a powerful church is in, found in First Corinthians chapter one verse ten. Look at what he says. Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing. That there be no divisions among you. That you be perfectly joined together in the same mind, same judgment. You see that? Speak the same thing, have the same mind, have the same judgment. In other words, if you come to me and ask me for counsel, if I give you counsel, you didn't like my counsel, and you say, okay, okay, I'll go and ask Pastor James. You go to Pastor James, he will also give you the same counsel. More often than not. Because when you come to me, I will not speak anything apart from the word of God. 
you go to him he will not speak anything apart from the word of god everybody will speak the same thing same mind and same judgment can you imagine a church like that all sisters speak the same thing have the same mind towards clothing have the same judgment towards outward appearance is it possible in a church you got it first peter chapter 3 you will say finally all of you have unity of mind my goodness sympathy brotherly love a tender heart and a humble mind you get this unity of mind because you all have a humble mind because you don't want to think that you are better than the other person no that is how you get a united church otherwise we are all going in different tangents going off in different different directions what thing god could not do with the congregation of israel he brought them out of egypt took them through the wilderness they were all congregation of israel they were all the congregation they were the children of israel but you can never bring unity among them so what did he do send them to captivity for 70 years within 70 years they came back as one man one man he could forge unity and what does it tell me unity is forged in a church only when the church goes through trouble times together then you know whether you have a humble mind and you will stand up for the other brother or not unity of mind that is the reason why he says in first peter chapter 5 verse 5 likewise you who were younger be subject to the elders clothe yourselves all of you with humility toward one another for god opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble you see that again unity being forged through grace why because everybody has one mind have the same judgment and to speak the same language ephesians chapter 3 and he himself gave some to be apostles some to be evangelists some to be pastors and some to be teachers for the equipping for the sa- of the saints for the work of the ministry for the edifying of the body of Christ till we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the son of god to a perfect man you see that to the measure of the stature of the fullness of that is exactly the reason why there is a continuous teaching ministry why a teaching ministry constantly keeps washing away all the prejudices and the presuppositions that we have in our mind and keeps forging unity over it says it says the unity of peace in a bond of love one man one baptism one lord unity of peace in the bond of love that is where god i believe is taking to taking us as a church to, to make us individuals who are united with the purpose of god that we don't have any other purpose and say lord what is my purpose in my life you ask this question to yourself and say lord f- let me find my purpose until i find it enable speak to me lord i want to do, keep on doing those things consistently all my every day of my life till, till you show me what exactly my purpose is people in marriages and people who want to get married i know some people who are already married recently and few people who want to get married understand this the purpose of marriage is to build a godly home a build a godly home so in order to build a godly home they have to be two individuals absolutely in content with god so that he can pour out the spirit of union before in, in uh, between you so they can forge a union which is from christ and as a church find out what is your purpose 
What is your purpose? There is a specific purpose for each one of us in the body of Christ. I'm, I believe that with all of my heart. It may not be always teaching. A few people are called for teaching. So many others in several departments in the church. Everybody has a purpose. Even small people, small young people over here. Everyone has a, has a purpose. Don't ever think that you don't. So what if I messed up my life? What do I do? What if my past was full of wrong choices? This new year, let this be a new beginning. In Philippians chapter 3, this is what Paul says. Know that I have, not that I have already attained or I am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ has laid hold of me. I love this picture. Christ has laid hold of me. Okay. Everlasting arms. I'm, I'm, I'm like this. He held his hand like that. What should I do? Clasp his hand. Never let go of his hand. Clasp his hand. If you, you've seen the movie Cliffhanger, the first scene, there's a rope which is going from this end to the other and there's a rescue operation that is going on. Okay. It's a huge two cliffs and the helicopter is standing over there and there's this one lady, there's a rescue operation, they have to transport this lady from this place to that place over a rope. So she has a belt which is tied to that rope. Okay. And you know what happens? And there's a parachute on a backpack just in case she falls. They move her first. And even as she is moving, the belt starts to crack under her weight. And this just gives way. And she just hangs on. The parachute just falls away. And she just hangs on by that, by that one belt which is, which is uh, tucked to that rope in the middle. And the hero sees it. Her husband is panicking on the other side. And the hero just, Wants to rescue her and he just goes after her and she's about to fall and he just grabs her by the hand and he says, hold on to me now. And you know what she says? She just catches hold of her hand and she says, you know what, I can't. I can't. I can't. I can't. But he says, trust me, trust me, trust me, trust me. Lay hold of me, lay hold of me. Trust my strength. I will not give up upon you. I will not give up on you. She says, no, 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 I can't, I can't, I can't. And the moment she starts, I can't, that is when you'll see the fear in her eyes and slowly the hand keeps dropping and dropping and dropping and dropping. Slips through her hand. She falls like that. It's amazing. When I saw that and I get that picture here, I get that picture here. Christ Jesus laid hold of us like that. But you know what? He needs our cooperation. He says, trust me. Everlasting arms. Everlasting arms. That hero has little strength. I can just do this for you. But don't leave, leave me like that. Because I, I need your cooperation. If you say, I don't want, I don't want, I don't want, I can't, I can't, I can just, I, I can't do anything about it. Paul says, I lay hold of that thing which Christ has laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended. But what do I do? How many things would I do? One thing. What do I do? I forget the things which are behind. So many of us are still in 2015, 2014, 2013. And this is 2017. Four years. We are just still in 2017 with past failures, past disappointments, past relationship breakups, whatever it is. Past job disappointments, past whatever. Still there. 
Lord, if only I could have made that decision, I could have made that decision, if I would have just got one mark, one mark, everything would have changed. One mark, past, he's still living in the past. You know what Paul says? I can't do anything about it. I can't do anything. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward those for those things which are ahead. And I want to reach on forward to those things which are ahead in my own life. I want to forget so many failures. So many failures in my own life. And every one of us will go back and say, Lord, failure here, failure here, failure here, failure here. Will you still do something new? He says, hold on, hold on to me. Don't give up, don't give up. Just don't fall under the weight of your disappointment. Don't fall. Don't fall under the weight of your disappointment. Don't look at others and don't say, you know, many of us, we just look at others and we think that everything is honky-dory with others. When they look at themselves, they say, Lord, I failed, I failed, I failed. Look at that brother, look at that sister, they've gone so ahead. God says, you know what, I look at everybody individually. There's a race which is set before you and only you can run it. You can get encouragement from others, but you have to finish it. You have to finish it. You know, I'm reading a story to the young, young, young children in our school. The story of a, a rabbit, Ricky Rabbit. Okay. The, the, the tune of the song is, running a race is fun, says Ricky the rabbit. Running the race is fun, says Ricky the rabbit. Coming in first has become rather a habit. Okay, running the race is fun, says Ricky the rabbit. Coming in first has become rather a habit. That is the that is the title song. So one day, Ricky rabbit gets up in the morning and she's not he's not able to walk properly and you know so much of pain in his legs and and he, he gets up and he says, "Mama, I'm so, I'm sorry, I'm not well today." And suddenly, two of his friends come and say, "You know what, Ricky rabbit? There is another super rabbit which has come into the forest." And he wants to challenge you. He says he can beat you. Uh, Ricky Rabbit says, you know what, not today guys. Running the race is fun. Winning has become a habit. But I know today I will not be able to win. Take it easy. And they all taunt him. They say, you know what, come on Ricky Rabbit. Come on, you are you are very good. Come on, come on, let's let's do and finish it off. Come on, you can you can show what you are. And so Ricky Rabbit goes and there is Super Rabbit over there and Ricky Rabbit is over here and they start off the race. This is not the hare and the tortoise, okay? This is two rabbits. There's one Super Rabbit and then there's just Ricky Rabbit. And then even as he's running, because he's got his knees are weak that day, he's not able to run and he just stops and he and he and he looks at that and, and he says, I can't run this race anymore and I can't run this race. Suddenly, he has a snail which is coming there. And he looks at Ricky Rabbit and he says, Ricky, come on. You don't have to come first all the time. You have to finish what you started. And he says, no, I can't. Come on. Come on. You can't do it. Look at me. Can I run as fast as you can? I cannot. I just want to go and finish the race. I want to run with you. I can run with you, Ricky. And Ricky looks at Snail and he says, you know what? Boy, I have got to learn from a snail today. <laughs> he says, okay. What does, what does Bible say? You ought to finish what you have started. Don't give up. Just keep running. 
And even as he runs the race, he comes to the finish line. Super Rapid is already here. He's basking in the glory. But everybody looks at Ricky Rapid and they start clapping and they say, you know what? In spite of all your weaknesses, you finished what you started. Amazing. Amazing. Finish what you started. Take hold of that thing for which God has taken hold of you. And many of us have gotten used to winning. And if you can't win, we will not play. We are like those chess players who knows the other person is not very good, then we will play. If he's not very sharp, if he's very sharp, Baba, I don't want to lose. Some people are already smiling. And look at what he says. Therefore, let us as many as are mature have this minded, if anything. You think otherwise God will reveal even this to you. Nevertheless, to the degree that you have already attained, let us walk by the same rule and let us have the same mind. Let us have the same rule. Let us have the same mind. God has got the same rule for everybody, but everybody has got a different race. And he says, run the race that is marked before you. Don't run through the left or to the right. And whoever runs has to run according to the rules. So that he will not be Disqualified. Remember that race? Uh, that guy who was running the 10 meters dash and he just crossed into the other guy's lane by a fraction of a millimeter and he was caught on the camera and he was disqualified by the end of the race even though he came first. Don't look at others. Everybody has got his own race. Everybody has their own problems. Everybody has their own things and issues to be deal, to be dealt with in their marriages and in their lives as individuals and in their walk with the Lord. Everybody has problems and situations. But you know what? The, the hopeless, the more hopeless your situation, the greater the glory for God. That is the reason why Paul says, I boast in my weaknesses. You know why? Because when I am weak, then he is strong. I would rather boast in my infirmities, not in my strengths. Strength is easy to boast. But when you have infirmities, then you finish what you started saying. Don't give up. This year, Lord has asked me, ask him. This is a very simple message that I'm not going to preach for more than this. This is what God has given me. You know what? It is he was talking to me. He said, you know what? There's one thing that you need to do. Just You're doing so many things. One thing. One thing is needful. Let your heart and your mind be focused toward that. So that your heart and your mind can be focused in your marriage. So that your family and your, your heart, your mind and your family can be focused in the church. So that your heart, your mind, your family and the church can fulfill God's purpose in their lives. See that? And therefore it starts with the individual. God has a corporate vision for the church but he also looks at Individuals. Individuals. Everybody. Everybody. Everybody has a unique purpose in their lives. And I have seen in many, many cases, so many people, they look at other people and they forget the gift that God has given them. God has given a unique gift for each one of you. And you have to say, Lord, surrender. What did Moses have? One stick. Can you speak? No. Can you speak? No. I will not go. I will not go. I can't speak. I can't speak. So what do you have in your hands? One stick. That's enough. Just surrender into your hands. That's it. That's enough. This this is enough. I will bring glory to my name. 
I will make my name greater in all the earth just by this one thing that is in your hands. What is in your hands today? Ask the Lord, take it Lord. Two hands, one life, one heart. I give to you. Two hands, two hands, one heart and one life. I offer you Lord. Take it and use it for your glory and let you finish God's focus for each one of your lives. And you have a specific, specific calling. I see so many people in my mind. Even as I close my eyes, I see grace home. I see faces coming into my mind like that. So many young people, incredible potential. Whenever I see so many of you in grace home, I see potential. I see potential. I see potential, but don't mess it up. Getting distracted. Don't mess it up. May the Lord help us. In this endeavor to be united with him in his purpose. And God will give us grace. If that is our purpose, to be united with him in his purpose. It's not about me, Lord. It is about you, ultimately. He says, those who, let, those who speak, let them speak the oracles of God. And let those who serve, let them serve in the strength that God provides. So that in all things, God may be glorified through Christ Jesus. To him belong glory and dominion forever. Amen. Shall we pray? Father, we thank you, praise you, I worship you. Father, so many of us, many of us here in this place have fragmented hearts, divided hearts, divided in multiple directions. So many young people distracted with toys and games and movies and pleasure. I pray, Father, that you will begin the work of restoration in each one of our lives, O oh Lord. So many of us, O oh Lord, Father, have fragmented souls. So many of us here in this congregation, O oh Lord. Because of the multiple things that they have seen on the internet. And their mind has been fragmented, O oh Lord. And has been taken captive by the devil to do his will. I pray, Lord, that you would grant to those brethren this morning the gift of repentance, O oh Lord. The gift of repentance. All of us, we need it, O oh Lord. The gift of repentance. Mind has been fragmented, O oh Lord. I pray, Lord, you would unite our minds this morning so that, Lord, we will have a mind that is single, which is singular, that wants to glorify God. That wants to think the thoughts of God. That wants to do the will of God. That wants to think what God wants to think. That wants to go where God wants us to go. That wants to see what God wants us to see. That wants, that wants to speak God wants us to speak. That wants to hear what God wants us to hear. Oh Father, I pray Lord, you would unite our hearts this morning to fear your name. Grant us grace to that and we pray as a church and as individuals, oh Lord. I pray, Father, for, fa- for, for, for marriages, O oh Lord, for peace between husband and wife. You said, O oh Lord, leave, cleave, and become one. And I pray, Lord Jesus, you would begin to do a new work even in marriages, O oh Lord, Father, this year. That marriages, O oh Lord, Father, will glorify your name, O oh Lord. That every individual, O oh Lord, Father, who's married, will have this endeavor, will make this a, a, a ambition, O oh Lord Father, to build a godly home. 
build a godly home where not only godly children can be brought up, where a church family can go, where brothers can go and find sustenance and encouragement, O oh Lord, during the time of need. Oh Father, and as a church, I pray, Father, that Lord, you would give us the grace to, Father, to have unity of mind, O oh Lord. Tender heart, sympathetic, brotherly kindness and of a humble mind that we will not think too much about ourselves, O oh Lord. Father, we will consider others better than us. And Lord, we will look to each one, to others' needs, O oh Lord. Father, have mercy, O oh Lord. Have mercy. Have mercy, Father. And this morning I pray, Lord Jesus, for those of them who, have, who think they have failed and who are at the verge of letting go, letting go, O oh Lord. I pray, Lord Jesus, that they will hold on to you. Because you have never, you said, O oh Lord, I will never leave you nor forsake you. You said even a mother can forsake us, child, but you will never forsake us. I pray, Lord Jesus, that we will hold on to that promise, O oh Lord. We will hold on to you, O oh Lord. You will, we will hold on to you. Where can we go? You and you alone have the words of life, O oh Lord. We pray, Father, that you will grant us the faith to hold on to you, O oh Lord Jesus. So many of us have been discouraged by failure, O oh Lord. I pray, Lord, you would strengthen them, O oh Lord Jesus, this week. Pray, Father, that they will come back to you. They will be united in purpose with you, O oh Lord. That their hearts will be one, and their hearts will be one with you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. We praise you, Father. We worship you, Father. We give you glory. We give you, we give you honor. We give you praise for this time. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ the love of the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with each one of us. Amen. Close very early. So you have a lot of time to fellowship.